Welcome to Cleveland Moto, a vintage motorcycle podcast by people who wrench and ride. We'll be bringing you Vin Moto Chat each week, so sit back, relax, and crack a beer. Or play us over the speakers in your shop while working on your latest project. Cleveland Moto, here's your host, Phil Waters. Hello and welcome to yet another fun and exciting, fun-filled adventure hour with the folks from Cleveland Moto. Tonight we've got Dustin Elliott and Phil Waters. We're going to talk about motorcycles, bench racing, vintage bikes, some new bikes that are coming out, a couple of tech tips for you, uh, and some of the, the cool emails that we've gotten over the last week. Um, my favorite, because this is kind of cool, we're getting emails about the podcast the, uh, Those are the best emails. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm absolutely uh, a huge fan of that. So this is from Fred Merle. Fred Merle. We're going to call people out to see you. Uh, Do you know where Fred's from? You know what? Uh, we're just in the interest of privacy. We're going to go ahead and we're just going to say it's Fred Merle. If you can figure out how to spell it or who he is, that's up to you. But I probably gave out too much by giving his first and last name. But the uh, So here's the thing. It's a great email. It says, have to call shenanigans. Uh, Phil, really pleased to see the podcast output lately. My boys and I enjoy the information and give and take of the participants. So this means this guy's listening to it with his kids. That's good. I like that. I like that a lot. I have to call bullshit on some of your historical information, though. He probably doesn't say that around his kids. I don't know, but I mean, they're (laughs) listening to our podcast, and we do have an adult rating. Yeah, Okay, one, James Garfield was assassinated by Charles Guiteau, a fellow Republican and confirmed nut job in 1881. Thanks, guys. We really appreciate you guys. We came up with the Aaron Burr thing, and the funny thing is, we all fell for it. Where did we come up with Aaron Burr? I heard it from somebody else. Um, I can't remember exactly. I was regurgitating the information, but you're right. You know, fact-checking is good. Two, Aaron Burr didn't have anything to do with it. He died in 1836 when Garfield was five years old. Oh. It wasn't Bam who died. As I said, uh, Bam Margera died in a Porsche crash. Um, I, you know what? We we knew that was Ryan Dunn. That we was knew just, it was Ryan that, Dunn. That was a slip of, you And know. that was just the brains. And the funny thing is, you know, if you would have asked me with a, with a clear head, I guess, without the six pre-podcast beers, I probably would have said uh, Ryan Dunn. But, it, you know, the word Bam Margera flew out of my mouth, and it kind of, uh, nobody challenged it. So it wasn't Bam who died, but his buddy Ryan Dunn and Zach Hartwell, who died in a drunken ball of fire. <laughs> so that's excellent. And then he just... I'm not laughing about the drunken ball of fire. No, I'm laughing about, laughing about our, our mistake. Our mistake, and it was kind of a drunken ball of fire. And then yeah. he just simply writes, use Google. Which is a phrase we love around here. Just Google mm-hmm. it, right? So uh, he writes, use Google. So we're being uh, s- sort of foisted by our own petard at that point. Well, the, one uh, of my favorite websites is called... Uh, I'll Google that for you. Mm. Excellent. Or, or, uh, actually, I think it's called Let Me Google Let That Let Me Google for That you. For You? Yeah. Okay. And it's when somebody won't look something up themselves and they're you know, trolling on a forum right. or whatever and they, they want to know... Right. Oh, how do, how do I replace the fork seals on Let know, me Google that this particular right. bike? Well, you can go to this website called Let Me Google That For You. <laughs> and then you plug in the search, sure. and then it creates an animation of somebody searching for that oh, for nice. you. Excellent. Yeah, so you post the link to that, and then they click that, and and underneath it says, now wasn't that easy? It does sound like a time killer. Yeah. The... Uh on the other hand, I this is back to being Fred. 
On the other hand, I appreciated your gear discussion. The description of Renee's toes really hit home with my 15-year-old. He keeps reminding me he can get his temps this year and really wants to ride. The right gear is the right thing. It is a truism that for the most part, and maybe forever, you don't need gear at all. Some folks will never hit the pavement. Unfortunately, if the shit hits the fan, the consequences of not wearing the gear is very high. He says, keep up the good work. Let's hear your Cleveland Mods and Rockers and Vintage Days podcast from last year. Thanks a lot, Fred. We really appreciate the feedback. Totally. Yeah, and it is good to hear from folks. Um, we've got some other, a uh, lot of other comments are coming in, but they're mostly, you know, things saying, hey, good job. Keep up the good work. We'd love to hear the podcast back again. Um, I've been listening to some of the other podcasts that come up on the uh, iTunes when you type in the word vintage motorcycle, the words of the vintage motorcycle. Good topic. They're pretty bad. They are bad. They are pretty bad. Um, really, guys, we would love to see more podcasts of this topic. A lot of the stuff we're looking up there, it's two years old, three years old, and they're they're just, you know, there needs to be some new content out there. I love podcasts. I listen to them all the time. Um, I don't like talk radio. I don't like what's coming out of the, the box that the factory supplied me with inside my Toyota truck. Uh, I don't care for it at all. And even NPR uh, seems to be that their once-a-year uh, campaign to ask for money is always when I'm listening. Yeah, that ended last week, mm. thankfully. All right. So, it, but but right now it's all about the you know the the GOP race and everything, right. and they do get tied up in a lot of politics. And I try to just avoid that and live my life. So yeah, and yeah. It, I didn't want to say that to get political, but right. yeah, just just best you know, to still if you if you just don't want to deal with political shit and all that, it's best just, to avoid it when yeah. when at all possible. So listen uh, to Cleveland Moto. Listen to Cleveland Moto. Have some fun. Listen to something you're really really into anyway. So uh, on the what's new and what's hip and what's hot and happening take, we've got uh, some great information about, uh, you know, raise your hands out there in podcast land if you've ever heard of a motorcycle called the Motus, and that's M-O-T-U-S. You know anything about it? Because it's kind of a sensational bike. Uh, First of all, it's made in America. Really? Yep, it is. And second of all, it's a V4 Okay. Okay. And I know we're immediately when we say V4, what do we think of? We think of interceptors and magnas mm-hmm. and and all kinds of cool products that Honda built. And this V4 is oh, actually I have heard of this sideways. Yeah. So this is a Moto Guzzi style V4 or CX500 style uh, V4, but the cylinders are canted at a jaunty forward angle, and apparently the sound of this bike is fantastic. And it uses What's the, the Ducati-style trellis frame. Oh, my I'm God. I'm showing a picture of it right now. Uh, now, it comes in a couple of different modes. comes in a couple of different the, styles. Those tour packs on it kind of suck. But. Well, but but you look at the idea of it being a sport tour. Yeah. Uh, now, they don't just come like that. You don't just have to have that particular one. There's the MST, and then there's the MST-R. I'm sure that you know the one is the retail, and the one is the... Uh, the one is the retail and the one is the uh, touring version, or the racing and touring version, I'm sorry. Okay, this bike has been hotly anticipated. Everybody's been talking about it. It's an American-made motorcycle. You know, once again, we love the Eric Buell thing, right? Is, is it truly American-made? It is. It is absolutely an American-made motorcycle. I, I'm sorry, but uh, they call the motor... You just of, said sorry. I do kind of have a Canadian accent, even <laughs> though I was not born there. The uh, I'm sorry, and I'll tell you tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow, and about, sorry about my boot. I, I'm not, not, not that bad. 
So here's the deal. They said that the uh, they call the motor a V4 baby block, which uh, you know, in the Moto Guzzi world, they call the 750 motor the small block, and they call the mm-hmm. 1200 cc motors they call those the big blocks. Well, and with the Moto Guzzi's though, and you know, you mentioned the the CX500, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and also they made a 650 out of that. Uh, those were twins. Yes, they were not fours. Yeah, this is a four, and, and ev- even the current Moto Guzzi's are twins, not correct. fours. And this four being different, this uh, everyone describes this motor as sounding a lot like a small block Chevy motor. They say that it has that kind of cami, kind of a neat. Uh, what I like to say, okay. maybe. Got to say, I like that. The sound that comes to mind when you think of the intro to Hot for Teacher. Mm-hmm. Now that's absolutely So we like that a lot. So, but everyone was talking about like, yeah, this is cool, made in America, and all that good stuff. But what's it going to cost? And they did finally announce it. Uh, they came up with some bullshit a couple of weeks ago where they said it would be within the range of uh, a motorcycle buyer. It would, they said it would be within That's the range bullshit. of many motorcycle buyers. That's complete bullshit. Eh, I don't like that. Well, now yeah. we got it. They, and this is from their website. You should check their website out. It is motusmotorcycles.com, M-O-T-U-S. <coughs> the base model, MST, has an MSRP of three zero. That's thirty thousand nine hundred seventy dollars. What? Whoa, whoa. Yeah, that's thirty one thousand dollars. What? Totally within the range of most of their buyers. Oh yeah. And the premium model MSTR has an MSRP of thirty six nine. So thirty seven thousand dollars. What the fuck are they smoking? Well, it's a very expensive bike, and as we know, building things in America yeah. can be a bit pricey. Yeah, but I, I, what I want to tell them right. here, here's my. I'm going to give them a thought. Sure. You are never ever going to take Harley money well, this away is, from this a Harley Davidson. Bigger buyer. than Harley money by far. Exactly. Thirty one thousand dollars. Thirty six. But that top dollar, that top dollar American motorcycle range. Mm-hmm. Is reserved for a, a, a man that will buy a Harley Davidson, right? Well, and, and and that and that is all they will buy. Well, they're they're not going to spend any more. It doesn't matter if it's right. made in America, Ducati, any of that crap. Smart racing, yeah. These are some expensive bikes, and the Augustus even come down in price to the point where they're not this thing. But I'm going to read this to you because this is kind of cool. All right, this is from their website, the V4 engine. The ideal engine for a new American sport tourer did not exist until we built it. It's quite a statement. That is. The ideal engine for a new American sport tourer did not exist until we built it. Uh, I would probably actually agree with them. Well, we have to say sport tours. Mm -hmm. We have to look at sport tours. Well, Eric Buell, okay, when you look at Mm -hmm. that motor platform, there were definitely, we had the Ulysses, Mm -hmm. um, these Bikes did well, and I wouldn't say they were not, they were awful, but... Oh, Cyclone so, was kind of in there, too, well, the right? Well, Cyclone, and that's what I said, that's what I rode yeah. to work today. And uh, I rode that from Avon Lake to Mentor, and that's probably 50, 60 miles. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did great. You know, I held between 80 and 95 miles an hour the whole way there. So that's, you know, but that's more of a hooligan bike, not necessarily a tour, but... So you weren't, like, breaking the speed limit or anything? No, no, we were just no, riding the 80, sensible... 80, 80, I did, 95. I was passing a car... Uh, I was passing a car. We were two up, and I had Penny on the back there. And <laughs> you picked Penny up? <laughs> yeah, well, we were going to work, right? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, if you and I got breakfast, right. and then I saw you take off, yeah, and well, I'm I like, oh, I went Phil, Penny Phil's up. going to the east side. Penny's probably already there. Well, she was going to drive her on her own, but then she thought the idea of jumping on the bike would be more fun. 
So, uh, so yeah, I picked her up. So we were just two up, and uh, that was pretty good. But so uh, anyway, I'll go back to the story. After careful consideration of engine configurations, valve train options, fueling technologies, and bore and stroke combinations, the mighty V4 baby block was born. It is the heart and soul of every Motus MST, a 100 cubic inch, 160 horsepower pushrod V4 that delivers massive torque with a wide, smooth power band, low maintenance, and an exhaust note that only existed in our minds until now. The engine is currently undergoing extensive durability testing and preparation for production in 2012. Ooh. Mm. V4 design benefits include compact cylinder heads, simplified maintenance, and most importantly, useful power across a wide rev range with a pleasing countenance that higher revving fours lack. That's completely subjective. I love that. That's complete bullshit. Anyway, so that's really an interesting thing. Uh, honestly, it's a single cam. They call it a single cam in the valley with hydraulic lifters, push rods, and dual overhead valves that never need adjustment. They, they say that like that's a like that's a new thing, but honestly, hydraulically adjusted valve yeah, cylinders... come on. Um, we've had hydraulically adjusted valves for a very, very long time on a number of Japanese motorcycles. Um, that's not new. That's kind of... I would almost think that would be mandatory at this point. <clears throat> yeah, and you know? find me one of their motorcycles that will win the Isle of Man. Yeah, I mean... This and, is then, just, and then yeah. I'll start believing in it. Yeah. But it's you know, one of those things, I don't want to shit hammer on it too bad, but because it's not been out in the hands of the populace and been a chance, had a chance to be proven yet. The fact that it is a V4, literally a yeah. car-like mounted V4, uh, is pretty cool. But I just don't want them to puss out in the class, on it, like the race class of the V class. Yes, exactly. You know, don't, don't puss out. If you're a four-cylinder... Fucking, you know, man up and be a four-cylinder. And they're saying it runs on 87-octane gas. They're specifying low-octane fuel for it. Great. Um, they're saying 161 horsepower at 7,800 uh, RPM, and that's with 122 foot-pounds of torque. So it's got massive numbers on both of these things. Uh, it makes its maximum torque at 4,500 RPM. So it's not quite as low in the torque package as a Harley-Davidson massive V-twin hmm. because of that four-cylinder. Yeah. Um, so it is getting uh, a good torque package at 4,500. Now, I know that's uh, going to sound like click, 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 click to a lot of people, but really what this comes down to is this motorcycle is 1,645 cc's, and they're Holy calling shit. it a sport tour. Now, sport to me, when they say sport, when you even say tour, the idea of 1,600 cc's... Let me think of some other four-cylinder motors that were 1,600 cc's. Well, Volkswagens. Volkswagens <laughs> Let's just say, for we're, we're years. getting into cars. Right. <laughs> you know? Volkswagens for years. Uh, the improved performance Volkswagens, yeah. the Super Beetles, those were 1,600 cc four-cylinders. Mm-hmm. And that propelled a car down the road. Um, With now, a number of passengers. Right. Now, this is, uh, is going to be liquid-cooled. So if we say liquid-cooled four-cylinders with 1,600 cc's, my first Dodge Omni... That mm-hmm. was certainly in that category. It was liquid cooled. It was a four cylinder, and it propelled a car down the road with four yeah. passengers. So really interesting. <clears throat> uh, big, well, big, big. My motor. my first Subaru was a one point eight. So that's oh, yeah. eighteen hundred cc's. Yeah, that's it's really something. I mean, uh, they do not give the one thing I was really looking for was the weight of this thing. Um, they don't give it. They give the dimensions. They give it. You know, 
they give you the that might be length. a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, they, they give you the length of the motor and everything. They don't show you the weight. Yeah, I'm kind of not seeing that. But if somebody finds it or somebody has a better take on this thing, I love the look of the motor. The motor looks like that. I don't know if you were a kid and you remember the visible V8 project, that little model kit you could buy. Yeah. You see the V8 motor. Uh, the motor looks very much like a, like that, or it looks like if somebody made a weird V4 airplane engine. It looks really neat. Oh, no, I've seen the Modus. Yeah, it's really it's, cool Yeah, the Modus is yeah. fucking badass. Pretty neat but stuff. Yeah, pretty neat stuff. But once again, I think everybody, uh, some of the other uh, motorcycle news shows and some of the motorcycle magazines and print stuff I read, they all figured this bike was going to come out at around 24. They figured 21 for the base model, That's 24, 25 for the, the high tuner. And still, the, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy in, a fucking car for oh, that. Yeah, Come on, man. 12,000 over that. Yeah. So that's a really, really big question. And that, when when you get a company like this, is coming in 12,000 high of what industry experts think it should have been. Um, that's pretty, um, we like to say they must be very proud of that motor. Very proud of that motor. Because yeah. it's, that's a big, big price point. Uh, I would seriously not spend that much money on a fucking car. Well, yeah, and that's and that's fine. And there are people out there that will uh, remember Confederate Hellcats were selling for well over thirty thousand dollars. Yeah, and that's not a bike that I would be very much interested in. When my Buell, in my opinion, my Buell does the same thing better for a hell of a lot less money. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Ah, yeah, your Buell is like completely badass. So it's a fun bike, and it's a very affordable bike. And it's a bike that's very easy to maintain and very easy to live with. So if you're not look, if you're looking for something on an economy budget that makes yeah. a loud, thunderous noise and is you know as fun as a bag of drunk monkeys, uh, that's a good bike for it, man. <laughs> I mean, really good way it. to describe it. So uh, when you, you and Penny it? left on that thing last week after the last podcast, yeah. It was like thunder going down my road. It has a very pleasing sound. It has a uh, distinctive tone, and the tone is very much Harley Davidson, except for the fact that when you hear it, you know that nobody riding a Harley Davidson would ever possibly squeeze that many RPMs out between right. shifts. So it sounds like a Harley, but then the the tone well, when you keeps fire it climbing. up, it's 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 got that oh, lerp, yeah, yeah. It's the lerp to it. It's like. It definitely sounds Harley in the driveway. Yeah, and then when you fucking hit it, because mm-hmm. Shane came over last yeah. week, and him and I stood here, and we could hear you make it all all the way to Bradley. Yeah, and shoot up Bradley. We oh, knew really? when you made the turn on <laughs> when you made the turn on Bradley. Yeah, which to the podcast listeners is about two miles down yeah, the road. It's about two miles down the road. Yeah, yeah, we could hear when you made the turn and gassed it to hit the highway. Also tells you. How quiet our neighborhood is. Yeah. It's <laughs> so very quiet around here. All right. We got the garage door open right now. You can hear the rain falling. But so, we were we were standing up right at the garage door. We're like, there he goes. There he goes. There he goes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then we didn't hear you. Then we heard... I'm like, oh, he's on Bradley now. And you know what? I was being very <laughs> kind to it because, you know, I'm two up. You know, you don't want to yeah. scare anybody. The... Uh, now you've done some work to your frame since last time we were here. We, you know, you've got the True. CB750 project. Keep the podcast listeners up to date on this bike build that's going on while they're listening. Um, this CB750 is a bike that we Craigslisted, and it was oh um, my god! I mean, well, this is the one that came from Gorbo. It's half and half. It's halfsies. Um, so it's a couple of different bikes right now. Uh, at least there might be three bikes involved at this point. Because uh, is this? Probably this more than three. Yeah. <laughs> but the long and short of it is, I see... Well, the motor's still on the bench. That's uh, That hasn't moved a whole lot. But the frame is now 
painted. And it has very cool peg locations. Like the, the perches are not at all stock CB750. Um, that's a pretty radical change for mounting your rear sets. So the big giant hoops that are normally found on the back of the uh, on the CD750 frames there oh, are gone. Huge, huge triangular hoops. The big triangles, yeah. yeah, they're gone. They're completely gone. And that is what used to go back and hang the passenger pegs and hang the exhaust. And they're just AWOL. So those just got cut off. Yeah, yeah. They, those they angle grinder, those, those suckers came right off. So now what did you use? Because you've got welded on there. Um... You've got welded on these little uh, D's that have a very clearly something Honda uh, plate welded to them. So where did that come from? Well, we had a uh, 360 frame sitting around here. A derelict, from, yeah. Yeah, derelict. from a project that you and I were working on right. a year or so ago. Yeah. And uh, just a frame laying around the garage, and I, I can't throw anything away. Yeah. I, I don't. I refuse. It, it's, you know, if, it, if it's metal, it's tubular, it's got to st- stick around. It'll hang around. We'll find use for it. Yeah, you, yeah. you will find use. Yeah. So uh, while I was working on this 750 project, I was doing uh, cardboard mock-ups for the seat. For the seat, right. And I was trying to find the perfect position with the tank on the seat Uh for your leg position, because you know, generally with with rear sets, you want your foot position to be about just right below your your ass, under your ass, yeah, yeah right, right, right under your butt, right. Any below your ass, and it is going to literally be your entire torso weight on your testicles. Yeah, and, and any any further back, you're right. going to be leaning too far forward, too far forward, yeah. all, all that. So. <clears throat> I was cutting up cardboard mock-ups one night, and I was just testing everything out. And, mm-hmm. and I, I took the line, and I drew it down. I was like, okay, this is the perfect spot for rear set mounts. And they were about directly in the middle of where the stock CB750 passenger peg mounts were. Mm-hmm. So I realized that those were no good. So I took an angle grinder, and I cut those off. And then I took a look over at this uh, 360 frame and realized, like, wow, you know, those might just be right. Yeah. So I took a few measurements and I lined it up and I was like, that looks pretty good. So I got a little frisky one night and I just lopped them right off. Yeah, cut them off. And I, I mocked them up and was like, my God, that's perfect. Because when guys abandon the whole front, uh, the stock peg locations, the stock rider peg locations, and they just go straight for the rear sets, right? what invariably ends up happening is you end up with the kneeler. Well, because most people just go like, "Oh, just put them right where the passenger, right pegs, where the passenger are. pegs were." Yeah, when, that'll be perfect. When you ride the bike, it's ridiculous. Yeah, you're leaning too far yeah, forward. Right. It's it's horribly it's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it's very uncomfortable, and you'll find that when you ride a bike that's set up that way, I'm not joking. It does put your entire torso weight on your belly, on the tank, you know, which means you're laying on the tank, and yeah, nuts. or everything is supported by your hands, your hands on the bars. And that's the thing is, I'm riding yeah, these bikes it's that people terrible. put together and bring into the shop. And I'm just, like, my nuts are always being crushed, and my arms are 100% on the clip-ons or on the drops. And it's just not fun to ride, you know? Yeah, you're getting a really good tricep workout. Yeah, right. What so usually it's happens. really not fun. You're, you're supporting not yourself. Put too many miles on it. So I like this idea. It ends up, it looks to me like it brings the pegs to a position that's literally halfway between where the passenger pegs would have been and where the factory uh, pegs 
were for the driver. It's, it's actually almost halfway between. Yeah, it is. It, it looks really pretty, good. pretty close. Well, good job of welding. It looks fantastic. Thanks. So that's uh, that's good. Yeah, and, it, uh, it took a little work. I mean, because yeah. I, I, I wanted them pitched out to degree mm-hmm. because it, you know the the thing is I couldn't just weld them straight on because mm-hmm. it would have taken a lot of spacers to push yeah. the rear set pegs out. Yeah. To have them line up, and you got a, you got a little angle there, which works good. So that I mean that angle. It looks like you managed to hold the angle on both sides. Did you yeah, eyeball I, that, or did you build a jig for that? I eyeballed it. You eyeballed it. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I I did a lot of measurements. Measure twice, and cut I, once. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was more like measure twenty times and weld twice. You know, cut, weld, grind, repeat. Yeah, I, I knew as, I knew as soon as I I, I tacked each one because mm-hmm. I, I was yeah. like, okay, if I tack it, I can still just take and a were hammer. You just using that MIG welder. Uh, yeah, make, blue one. Yeah, yeah. It didn't, oh, flux core too. Oh yes, <laughs> so yeah. I had a lot Fourth of spatter yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everywhere. I'll never wear those pants again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that, that's pretty cool. I'm glad that worked out well for you. And it's a, it's one of those things that you can find out that in your garage, you know, on a very basic, you know, inexpensive motorcycle lift to make your life easier because your back's not breaking. And with a very inexpensive And I welder. thank you for that. Oh, no problem. My, my <laughs> pleasure. Um, the uh, I just gave Mark and James, I each gave gave them each a lift. Because now that we get these fancy mm-hmm. lifts, so we got these fancy air lifts, these big, you know, $1,000 specials. <clears throat> and they're wonderful, like 1,000 pounds a piece. Oh, they're nice. The I, know. The I was deal. working on them today. And that worked out good for you? Yeah. The new lifts? Fantastic. And uh, Actually, I didn't use one, but I watched them. <laughs> but you watched people use <laughs> I them. I used the shitty old lift. <laughs> well, it was funny. <laughs> Uh, so now our shop's got, you know, three big <coughs> and a couple little lists. But I gave James and I gave uh, Mark each one of the old, uh, smaller lists, the Harbor Freight. And I know they advertise them as being motorcycle lists, but I still call them scooter lists. Right. Because they are the perfect size for working on a small bike or a scooter. They're just a little small for working on a big motorcycle. Well, because I, I had a Stella right. scooter. Yeah. To the listener. Yeah. Um, on... The one remaining small lift. Yeah, the small lift. Yeah, and and that damn it barely fit. Yeah, I mean it fits. It's a perfect fit. Yeah, and you don't yeah. want it to you go don't want any, any further more. off. Right. <laughs> you know. So yeah, you guys. Because be- I, I was actually on the lift kickstarting it, mm-hmm. and I I had managed to rock it to the end of the lift. Oh yeah, yeah. Got to be extremely to, careful. To where it was like, oh shit. Yeah. I'm having some fun over at the uh, the new shop, the Cleveland Moto Shop in the East Side, because I'm getting to sort of put together the service department. Uh, which is much, much smaller than our West Side store. But I'm getting it to kind of put it together from the ground up the way I would want it to be. And so it's fun because, you know, you're getting to kind of build out from the beginning. And but it's I kind of funny, you, too, because you're the only service guy there. Right now, right I'm now. the only service yeah. technician there. So <clears throat> it is, uh, it's fun to, to kind of get to put stuff where you want between customers. And I just I went in, uh, got harp, uh, went to Home Depot and brought back all that pegboard. Yeah. And oh man, I'm telling you, I'm like a kid at Christmas with pegboard. And <laughs> did I'm, you buy like tons of packs of the hooks? Oh hell yeah, yeah. absolutely, nice. man. And no, uh, you get the you get the hooks. Don't buy them at Home Depot. No, get those at Harbor Freight. Ah. Yeah, because you know what? If you buy a low quality uh, <clears throat> screwdriver hanger, nobody cares. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no reason. You're you not going to wear that out. <laughs> you can pay five bucks for the low quality pegboard <coughs> hook and totally get away with it. Yeah. The uh, you you will never wear that hook. You're out. not going to beat the price point on Harbor Freight yeah. for pegboard hooks. If you wear yeah. a pegboard hook, you're you're, you're doing a hell of a business. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. You're very. I'm pretty good. sure they don't need to make any more pegboard hooks. We could actually just repurpose them from other places. Pretty much. Because yeah. I bought many boxes in my lifetime. I I would you know I'm I'm sure there's thousands of pegboard hooks that mm-hmm. are in landfills right now. Oh, of course. right. That, in fact, that's what most Chinese scooter frames are made of. Mm-hmm. Recycled pegboard hooks. The uh, True. One of the coolest, uh, well, I don't want to say coolest, but most interesting bikes I've had come into the shop is yesterday, uh, well, I'm, the days are all a blur now, but uh, pretty much my yeah, life today has fucked been, me up, man. Yeah, life, my life has been just getting a shop ready, but the uh, a customer comes in and brings in a... Uh, a 73 manufacturer date CB350 blue good bike very very well this is the interesting part of the story 1900 original miles huh. factory original tires still on it I would question that motorcycle yeah 1900, 1900 original, miles. original miles in 40 in, years yeah, in 40 years yeah I don't want to uh, do the math but it's low the last time a license plate was put on it was 1978. That was the last time a license plate was put on. That's the plate that's on it right now. Wow, in 1978, I was going to the movie theater with my dad to go see Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this bike comes in, and believe it or not, it rode into the shop under its own power, which is insane. The bike... Under probably a third of its own it power. It wheezed into the parking lot, and he said the, the quote of the day was, well, it just needs a tune-up. And, sure. And I've been buying a new battery for it every year. Now, if it only has 1,900 miles for it, and it was last registered legally in 1978, that was his Good last sticker on his plate. So, but he's buying <coughs> a new battery for it every year. And he says that he does start the bike religiously every, at least once so a year. So he buys a new battery, right. fires up the bike. And then it sits. And then goes, yeah, she runs. She runs. <laughs> and then he turns it off, and then... Fast yeah. forward 24 months. Right. And he plays. He buys the, another. Right. He does this every year. He buys a new battery. Good every Lord. year he starts the bike up. Um, I can just. I'm, sometimes I always want to get a look into their world and see what it looks like there when he's getting on his. Uh, we're going to go and buy our battery and we're going to start our motorcycle and then we're going to leave it there. You know, I have. Like power tools, I use more than that motorcycle. Well, yeah, I mean, there's that's just yeah. one of those things. If even, I had, even even power tools that I don't need to use, I, I will fire suit, up and yeah. use them. If I had a suit that I only wore once a year, I'd throw it away. So he's got this system, or you I'm would sure, wear it once a year, right? Or twice a year. I, I just can't imagine keeping something that you're only going to use one right. time a year. God. And it is just that scenario. I can't imagine this guy going through this ritual of buying a new battery. And so I asked him if he could remember, because obviously this bike isn't being ridden anywhere. Right. I said, can you remember when it was that you put this tank of gas in here? Because that begs the question, how old is the gas in the tank? (laughs) And so he said that he's pretty sure that he put that tank of gas in there five years ago. Now, we know that gasoline stops being gasoline in less than a year. Oh, way less. Way less than a year. Yeah, the, 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 I mean, right, just, yeah, to, to put a point on that, 
the tank of gas that we put in my buddy's scooter right, buddy, right. on our way to mid-Ohio last sure. year right. was already shit when right. I tried eight to fire later. that scooter yeah. sc- scooter up yeah. like a month ago. Okay. Eight months ago, seven months, seven months on that gas, and it was completely garbage. Yeah, it was, it was junk. So It was turpentine. Oh, the guy brings the bike in. I crack both bleeds. I crack both drains on the carbs. The one, nothing comes out whatsoever. The other one, it is literally one drop of gas about every 20 or 30 seconds. <laughs> I drop the bowls. There's just the worst. One bike, one bowl is just full of green garbage. The other one is full of what looks like quick crete mix. Oh, God. It is just dust and vapor and awful. Just It just dried up years and years ago. So uh, the good news, though, is I, when you get this situation and somebody brings in a bike like this, you have to go down one of two roads. And the two roads are, one, this is going to cost you a fairly good amount of money to resurrect because yeah. all the rubber shot, tires, tubes, carb kits, uh, fork seals are bad. Everything's bad from just sitting. So it's going to cost a fair amount of money to resurrect this bike, but maybe you also might want to think about selling it, so put some money in your pocket as opposed to taking money out of your pocket. Yeah. This bike, I figured out the perfect thing. This would be the perfect bike in the world for the Barber Motorcycle Museum to sit in one of those glass cases. Yeah. Because it'll never get ridden again. It'll just sit the way it is. Nobody will have to put any money or time into it, and you can just look at it and go, this is as damn close as we're going to get to a factory dealership new 73 CB350. Yeah. And it's... I mean, it is beautiful, but to be the fantasy of riding this motorcycle. And then I started to get into some of the ideas behind it. I talked to him about it. I called him and I told him what things it was going to need. And uh, when we're looking at buying a used motorcycle or a vintage motorcycle from Craigslist or from Cycle Trader or any one of these places or eBay, we got to keep in mind all the time, and that's this fella's, you know, his position is he spent $500 on this motorcycle 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Yeah. Okay, when he bought it. He's put very little into it, other than the fact that he's buying a, what, a $60 battery <laughs> every year. year. <laughs> so, we have to do take that into consideration. He, the man may have spent $700 in batteries in the past 15 yeah. years. But uh, aside from that, really, if just say, worst case scenario, I got to put everything into this bike and it ends up being a $1,000 bill. If it's a $1,000 bill and he paid five for it, well, he's got $1,500 into a running motorcycle. Yeah. You can't go to your dealership and buy a $1,500 motorcycle. No, So never. this actually kind of works out for him. You know, ultimately, as sad as it seems, with the amount of neglect involved, he's kind of doing okay. I mean, yeah. not too bad. Uh, if I had the chance to go down to my dealership or anywhere and buy a $1,500 um, or even $2,000 running motorcycle that is as kind of cool and nifty as a CB350 is, I might be all over that. So that's kind of cool. Kind of doing that. So it is one of those situations when people look at that Craigslist purchase. So many times I deal with people who are very upset that the bike they just bought on Craigslist for $1,000 needs $1,000 worth of work. And they get mad, man. <clears throat> they get real mad. Did you see a uh, XS650 from 1975 on Craigslist the other day? No. Well, man. everybody in Cleveland, everybody else in Cleveland saw that fucking bike. And at least 20 of those people called me. Because that's what their deal is now. I think the deal is that um, whether it's from the podcast or whether it's from just the shop itself. So people see bikes on Craigslist and call me for my opinion. And it's become comical. 
because it's like you know it's like you know uh, ask uh, you know dear Abby or whatever. They call up and the guy's like, "Yeah, I got a question for you." I'm like, well, "What are you going to?" You heard the dear Abby yeah. vintage motorcycle. Oh my god! This guy nice. calls up and he goes, "I got a question. I, I'm you know I'm looking at a uh, I'm looking at an XS650." And I said, "What year?" He goes, "75." I said, "Okay," and he goes. And I Good year. Right, and I didn't know whether he was... Yeah. I guess I wasn't clear initially whether he was asking about a bike he already owned mm-hmm. or a bike that he was purchasing from somebody else or what. I didn't really understand where this call was coming from mm-hmm. other than it was just, hey, Phil, CV, or XS650, 75. Um, then he went into the list. Uh. Well, there's a bit of a head gasket leak. And it only a runs. Bit. Come on. There's a bit of a head gasket leak. Yeah. <laughs> and it only runs on one cylinder. And he says, So, you know, what do you think that's going to take to fix? Now, first of all, don't ever ask anybody. There's a bit of a head gasket leak and it's only running on one cylinder. Don't ask people on the telephone, What do you think that's going to take to fix? Because even the best surgeon in the world will tell you, until I've cut open the patient, yeah. or at least had a CAT scan, I can't tell you what the surgery is going to entail. So asking me over the telephone for a bike I haven't even seen, and I only know three things about, that it's a XS650 and it's from yeah. 1975, and now that it has two fairly significant problems, uh, that was a tough one for me to tell him. And then he reveals, well, he's looking at it on Craigslist. Oh, God. And he's considering it on Craigslist. And I said, well, you are aware that you know a head gasket, that's not a small job. That's motor out. No, yeah, that's complete yeah. motor out. That's motor out. And if it's only running on one, well, that could be any thousands of problems. And remember that nobody ever parked motorcycles because they ran perfectly. Never. Right. So, you know, let's just call it a thousand bucks and say you're going to have to spend a thousand dollars to get this thing running right. So, that, and actually, that should be a, a big green light yeah. to, to send off to everybody is ran when parked? Also, no. Once again. And I love the fact that I guess the description said that, you know, it was running on one. I guess the description said that there was a head gasket leak. And this person, so I said, well, I guess if it had a head gasket leak and it ran when parked, if it was really, really beautiful and, like, perfect otherwise, I might go 500 bucks on it, right? And he said, well, they want 1000 bucks." So on one hand... It's an interesting anecdote to know about these things because, you know, sometimes I'm too lazy to read Craigslist myself. Yeah. So I like to have the tasty nuggets called in to me by my friends who <coughs> suggested either Which I, I try and do all the time. Right. <laughs> or people that are considering buying them and would like a professional's opinion before they do so. Uh, realize that nobody over the telephone can tell you anything at all about whether or not to buy a motorcycle over the phone. Yeah. Because they know less about it than you do. You're recounting its, <laughs> its woes to them. Uh, over the phone, no less. And a lot of people just, yeah. you know, they see these old bikes and they go like, oh, this is vintage. Right. It's going to be worth money. Yeah, that's No, it's, true, it, right? it, you know, a lot of times it, it's not. Yeah, you know? it's not. And how many bikes do you think you've gone to look at that on Craigslist sounded interesting? Uh, you got to take a shot, right? Man, I... So, I you drive, you know, you drive sixty or seventy miles, and you get out there. Yeah, and, uh, I, I couldn't put a number on that. Oh my god! So yeah, guys, when you're looking at the Craigslist, uh, keep in mind that if you don't have the technical knowledge, if you don't have the history or the expertise, be extremely careful. 
oh, when absolutely. you're looking at buying a bike on Craigslist. Because once again, if this thing was so wonderful, why the hell are they getting rid of it? That's the just the foundation of any deal, right? Yeah, I mean, anytime you see like Randwin parked, sounds needs, too good to be true. It yeah, needs carbs is. cleaned. Yeah, you know, oh, put a battery in it and drive it home. I don't know how many times <laughs> I saw that. You know, put a battery in it and drive it home. Well, why haven't you done this? <laughs> yeah, why haven't you put the battery? Why didn't in you it put the battery in it and shot a video of it for running? me? Right, because that's what we do. We and shoot the, videos of and then right. make me yeah. want to drive it home. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. just. Ugh. We found that there's nothing better than shooting a video of a bike being properly thrashed. And if you shoot a video of a bike being just just really thrashed, people are going to be like, okay, you're not going to get the stupid questions. You're going to get questions, but you won't get the really dumb ones. Because yeah. they know it runs. They can hear it start. They can watch you put your hand on the pipe and see they're cold and then watch the motor start. And if you are thinking about selling a bike, that's a good way to do it. I mean, that's, that's a decent way to sell a bike. So I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of that. The uh, good good move all around. If you want to sell your bike, go ahead and show people it runs because videos are really easy to post, right? I mean that's that's pretty easy. Uh, yeah, that's so. that's plain easy. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, good stuff. Uh, what do yeah. we have for uh, tech tips? Oh, okay. I've been thinking about some different stuff that's out there. Uh, right now, there are just we get back to Craigslist, we get to eBay. There's just so much stuff out there that has the word cafe racer associated with it, right? Uh, okay, yeah, bane of our existence. That, yeah, Everything, that, right? It makes my head throb. It does. So we get into that, like, what is the cafe racer? What am I going to do? How am I going to build my bike? What am I going to come up well, with? Well, apparently anything Honda that is pre-76, 78. I'd say, yeah, yeah, easily. You know, they're starting to push up into the 80s now, yeah, too, but... Yeah, you know, apparently anything Honda that doesn't have that sportster rake to the frame. Yeah, the, uh, the that, that, that's a cafe Yamaha. racer. Yeah, <laughs> any any cruiser bike, kind of the yeah. gas tank is at an extreme upward angle, and the seat is also at an extreme extreme upward angle. Yeah, anything pre that, like a swayback horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, anything uh, pre that is now a cafe racer in Craigslist terms. Right. So here is my huge tech tip of the day. Before you go building your cafe racer, focus on the fucking fundamentals. Before you go buying a $300 <coughs> bum stop seat, mm-hmm. before you go investing in a pair of, you know, what are they now, about $100 clip-ons? Oh, easily. Easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, before you go For the investing in a set of rear sets... Yeah, the right. rear sets, man. You're that's a whole new world. It's a whole new world because you're you're gonna spend two hundred bucks plus oh, yeah. on your rear sets. Yep, and then you have to now figure out how to mount them. Yep, you know they don't just bolt on. It's not, it, it's not like you buy a set of rear sets and go sweet and put them on your bike and yep. they roll and, and they work. You know you have to make them work. Our tech tip for this week is before you buy all of that shit. Before you spend the money and build your cafe racer, please, 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 please examine and replace your fork seals and your swing arm bushing. Yeah. Jeez, Louise. And Phil just said five pleases. Yeah. The last that, that was five please. The last bike that I rode <laughs> today, a customer brought in and he wanted to know what I thought was wrong with it. Mm-hmm. 
And I gotta say, this thing from <coughs> from 30, 40 feet away, this thing was a stunner. I mean, it was gorgeous. A very, very nice, interesting build, too. KZ650 four-cylinder. You don't see them that often done as a cafe. Kind of a cool build. 654. Yeah, the 750 was nice. a twin. The 650 yeah. was a four-cylinder. Good-looking bike by all standards. I'd rather done. have the four. Oh, I think yeah, I think so, yeah. too. And uh, really neat. And done, I mean, like, his attention to detail, the frame was very clean, painted well. Uh, he'd taken some of the tabs off and made it look really sharp. He polished the bejesus out of his forks. They looked great. And they were pumping oil all <laughs> over. All <laughs> over. So, basically, he did what... And this is what pisses me off, yeah. is what people do all the wrong shit. They do. Like, they spent I'm, all this energy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to spend all my energy on making these particular parts look pretty. Right. That... You know, I should be spending that energy on my motor. Well, he was or convinced on, that on there actually was... making my forks work yeah, properly. Right, and he was convinced there was a problem in the transmission because every time so you he put this his bike forks. in gear, yeah, when you put the bike in gear and you let the clutch out, it would give a yeah. devastating clunk. Damn, I got a problem with my transmission. <laughs> I, I guess I should polish my forks yeah. right now. So hmm. he brought it in if I could to ask me if I could have a look at it, maybe take it for a test ride and see what was going on. And the funniest thing was it was the swing arm bushings. So this bike's <sighs> literally running around, and you could see when you would take up the slack with the clutch, and you would pull the chain, just sitting on the bike, you could see the swing arm move a solid quarter inch. Oh, God. How did you think that thing felt to ride? I mean, it had to be awful. I mean, it just had to be awful. Probably like that three three sixty I was riding today. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. I, I fucking shook that bastard down. Man, getting out of first gear on that oh, the thing orange was, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it going. It, <laughs> eventually, yeah. eventually, if yeah, you I, feed I, enough I, gasoline into a motor. I, I took I took about a ten mile ride through the valley on that yeah, thing. Yeah, woke it up. Yeah, woke yeah. it up woke big it up time. Proper. My God, man! I, what, once it got going, it was great, and, and I'll tell you what: the, the Honda 360. Yeah, it's, it's not, in my opinion, personally, a bike that I really want. Right. Yeah. But I really do love the sixth gear. The sixth gear, right? I know it's so good. Oh God! Okay, because have we discussed this before? Like with the gear ratios, the numbers. Yeah. It's not that much different. I love the sixth but you gear love on the sixth that. Gear. <laughs> You're going and you're going and you're like I'm 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 up to four grand and and then right. you dump it in a six and, you and have you're a like bonus gear oh wait I just dropped in the six I mean now, okay so what year is that seventy four yeah four or five okay would, well, what they make they made those like seventy four to seventy six yeah so we got nineteen seventy four yeah. we've got a six speed transmission there's and, a and goddamn it if we're wrong on this some yeah. listener is gonna call us on it and you anorex. They're going to be like, no, they made that bike from 73 to 75. Right. You are so wrong. So it's just kind of funny to me that that's 70s technology. We've got an extra gear. Yeah. And it is nice. You're right, man. It's, a, it's a lovely thing. gear. Right. I love that and gear. And RDs. The RDs had a six-speed. Yeah. Right? So, uh, you know, that's one of those things. that It is nice. There's just It's very pretty. It's nice when you're cruising. It's really I, nice. I was rocking through the valley, and I, was, I, I got to the point where right. I was like, I, I need a little more, and I just boop. Yeah. Pop, 
popped that right in. That's pretty cool. I was in sixth gear and I was just just cruising along. That's a great time. I, you know, and that is kind of a, a weird thing that the bike changed. You know, that motor changed, and the motor does. I mean, that bike does kind of have a a, a bad rap. You know, it does. It it, it, but, it does. But you know, and it, it has a bad rap for a reason. Yeah. And it's it's just pretty funny that so when you're looking at these motorcycles and you're out there and you're like, well, what the hell is the difference between a CB three fifty and a CB three sixty anyway? Um, the most the one that well, aside from about forty three cc's, you know, not much, not much, and that's the and that's the biggest thing is that you you tell people what's well, a six speed, yeah, and that's the best positive attribute about that bike. Because what it lost in the kind of <coughs> swept exhaust and you know some of the styling things that maybe maybe weren't the best improvement that Honda ever made yeah. to a motorcycle, the shape of the tank and the upswept pipes. But what it lost there, it picked up with that sixth gear, and that sixth gear is actually nice for when you do have to ride the bike on the freeway. You know? Well, and they pushed that sixth gear to the uh, the the four hundred F. Yes, they did. Yeah. yeah. And which was an, an amazing improvement. Oh, yeah. yeah, very much, very much a, a fun and easy bike to ride. Yeah, let's let's now take this twin three sixty six speed, and now let's just make it into a four hundred six speed four cylinder. Yeah, and you have an amazing fucking motorcycle. I can you know? tell you about a bike that I rode uh, day before yesterday. That is probably. The worst motorcycle that I've ridden this year, and here's a statement. That was a bold statement. Okay. Because it's pretty early in the year, right? We're mid March, yeah. And uh, so late, mid to late March. Uh, I already have my worst for the year, but I'm not going to talk about it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, I have my worst for the year, and uh, this is the this is the shit talking portion of our podcast. A customer brought in to me a motorcycle ish. Does this po- customer listen to the podcast? I don't know. Maybe yeah. they do, maybe they don't. But in any case, the good news is what I'm going to say on this podcast is no different than what I told him in person. Okay, good. So it's, he's heard it once already. He brought into me a motorcycle that I have not had the displeasure of riding for quite a few years. The motorcycle is called a CF Moto V5. Okay. Now, what this thing is, is it's a 250cc... Scooter motor, scooter transmission. Oh yeah. Welded rather poorly into what replicates a motorcycle chassis with yeah. what only can be described as mm, optimistic front steering head angle. <laughs> to give the thing a very Batman slash V rod look, like a stance. <laughs> Now, how does Batman get the bad rap on this one? Well, because it looks like kind of a... It's very swoopy. There's a lot of body work. Right. You cannot see the motor at all. Okay. Because the motor is not up front where a motorcycle's motor would normally be. The motor yeah. is actually under your ass um, and running into a CVT out the back end. So the motor on scooters, the swing arm and the motor is all yeah. one thing. So the swing arm and the motor are all one deal. That's the scooter part. The unnecessarily long part of it is where it tries to be a motorcycle. And once again, uh. Google this stuff. And uh, up at the top by the triple clamps, there's I mean, the bodywork is all-encompassing. You cannot see anything that resembles a motor at all. It's just bodywork. Yeah. And big, fake plastic chrome panels and ridiculous big freeway pegs that stick out there and are held on by, like, literally one-inch square stock 
Chinese low-grade recycled steel. Oh, good lord. Uh, the thing has cornering clearance of about four inches, which means you can lean it about 15 degrees before hard metal parts start grinding out <laughs> and upset the bike. And then up at the top where the triples are and where the neck is, there's two stereo speakers. And the two stereo speakers are hooked up to this bizarre MP3 type contraption that apparently you can download music into. I haven't figured out how yet, but I'm sure it's via cord uh, that goes into the headset of the bike. So when you're looking down, there's actually some controls there that you can't read uh, for listening to various types of music to come out of these ridiculous two and a half inch Chinese speakers. Uh, long story short, I was completely not impressed by it. The ride was clunky, thuddy, and it had 560 miles on it from the factory. Uh, so here's the, uh, the buy it or don't buy it uh, recommendation, as close as we get to a consumer reports kind of thing. If you really want to have an automatic transmission motorcycle, and if you really desperately want to have this particular kind of thing, uh, don't buy it. Like, just just get over it. Find, pick up another sport. Find another hobby. This is not what you're looking for under any circumstances. The uh, the power delivery for being a 250 cc felt like you were riding a 125 through the mud. The suspension. If I bounced on the seat hard enough, I'd bottom it out. So not a good bike by any standard. And I think they're getting like 2,500 bucks for these things. Uh, the customer told me he paid like, you know, $2,500 of real money for this bike. Really? Yeah, and less than 600 miles. And it was, <coughs> uh, it presented today with less than 600 miles, and the front forks had absolutely no oil in them at all. So are they buying these from reputable dealers? I don't know where this one came from. I have no idea where it came from. And I'm, it, the only problem is my memory right now at this moment failed me <coughs> if this one was technically a CF Moto or if this one was a Q-Link. Uh, they're both... Uh, a, they both come from the CF same house. CF Moto brand, yeah. They both come from the same house, and this thing... I, I, I personally, I think they're a horseshit. The plastic on it yeah. was so bad that one side of the plastic was painted red... The other side of the plastic was that white, pla- that white color plastic yeah. that is only reserved for the boxes that other things come in. Yeah, you know, it was really brittle. It was really poorly made. The seat was junk. Uh, the thing just felt horrible. And the fact that somebody paid twenty five hundred dollars of real money for it was a that's sad. Yeah, and it just it felt horrible. And I don't think uh, I sent him away. I, I couldn't. There was. No, they they came into the mentor shop. They came into the mentor shop, yeah. and their their basic request was if I could go back in time and alter the engineering of the vehicle to oh, make it better. Okay. And I can't if do I that yet. If I could go back in time, well, is it share song, right? Right, I think so. Yeah. The if I could turn back time. Oh, well, uh, if I could turn back time. If I could go back in time, that's the Doctor Who song. Yeah. Oh. 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 So uh, avoid those kind of disposably kind of cheap. Quality. And that's the thing is normally with a Chinese product you're warned off because it's like nine ninety nine or twelve ninety nine. Yeah. And that would scare You see you. that one thousand dollar price tag. You see you're like, Damn, I do thinking, that. Like, there might be something here worth talking about. Yeah. Because they're obviously asking. Well, every time gas gets over, you know, four bucks a gallon, yeah, you know, people are just like, Oh shit, I, I need a scooter. Yeah. This thing was this thing had 
something less than you know something less well less than a thousand miles on it and i did take it on a test ride around the parking lot like not even out on the surface streets i didn't trust no, this I, I would, on the streets it was very I'm, scary i'm glad you did not yeah <laughs> and the headset bearings were already pooched they were definitely locking you know click 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 headset bearings because you just look at the engineering of so it. So you're indexed already. It's totally like, indexed. Click, click, click. Does not want to run right. Yeah. So just kind of be careful out there if you're uh, if you have friends that are thinking about getting into bikes, but they're like, oh, I want an automatic, but I see this bike's out there in automatic. Uh, saw a Ridley going down the road. Really? Saw a woman, uh, and I believe her husband, going down Menor Avenue. If you're a podcast listener, stop into the shop. And her and her uh, husband, and he was like hilarious. He's the uh, doctor, lawyer, Harley owner. So he's wearing <laughs> his, like, khakis and the no helmet and, like, a leather jacket that can best be destri- described as, like, members only. And nice. he's got the full deal. But his bike was fucking fantastically loud. <coughs> it was so loud that it kind of He paid a lot of money off. for that. Yeah. It was so loud it kind of pissed me off. But then the only thing that was louder than his bike was, your was her Ridley. No, her Ridley. Like, they've got that really kicked out front end, and you can Mm -hmm. see from the side of the motor that there's a lot of transmission-y stuff happening because they're the automatic motorcycles. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the side of the motor doesn't look like a traditional conventional motorcycle. It's very, very weird-looking, like uh, Cushman looked, uh, had all that extra stuff going on. And she came hauling ass down the street after him. And her bike was actually louder than his bike. And really? It was fantastic. They had to annoying. piss him off. Oh, uh, it was just loud. I mean, they were both like, they were team loud. And realistically, probably him in his mid to late 50s and her and her same. And they're both typical white, overweight suburbanites. That believe in that whole, like, uh, you know, loud pipes save lives. I don't, think it's, I don't even know if it's loud pipes save lives. I think that's just a justification. I think this is these folks' first chance in their lives to make a fucking splash. Mm-hmm. I think that both of these people, now this is reading way too I much. I made that splash when I was, like, probably 12. Yeah, I think this is, like, my 15-second <laughs> interaction with these people yeah. and seeing them in their very much normal suburban gear and not even the full weekend warrior package with the wild hogs thing or whatever. Yeah, we're in the chaps. Were, yeah, no, yeah, no they, chaps, right? Yeah, these oh, guys oh, were, the oddballs were in the chaps. Always crack me up. It's like you were not comfortable in that, no, and I can no. tell. Yeah, it's but you're wearing it, because, wearing it because it came uniform, with the motorcycle, right? It's the <laughs> uniform, and uh, that's one of those things. I think it's just that these people are kind of lived a very milky toast lifestyle, yeah. and then now they're in their fifties and they get a chance to make some noise. So they're literally making some noise. And they're going down Manor Avenue, just and they're they're flying in formation. Oh, <laughs> and uh, it is it is a weird deal. The uh, we talked about the uniform and you came up with a phrase earlier that I just fucking knocked me over. Uh, we like to ride vintage motorcycles. And <laughs> I I know um, where you're going with this. <laughs> I do own a black leather jacket. I'll admit it. I, I do own, too. Right, I own a black leather jacket. But that black leather leather jacket that I own, yeah, I've had since I was in my teens. Yeah, I have my old punk rock and jacket. I, I had mine because I was yeah, the punk rock guy. Right, exactly. You know, I didn't ride a motorcycle. I had a, a biker jacket because right. I went to punk shows. And I actually, the back of my jacket, you can still see where I used to have social social distortion stenciled yeah. on the back and silver spray paint. And you know, I got my studs and chains and all that crap that you know, the farkle that you put on your leather jacket uh-huh. when you're a kid. 
And mine's still on it, and it kind of I can kind of squeeze into it just right if you know if I work hard, I can get into that thing. Uh, and then I got you know that's all crossed out. And then at some point in the early '90s, I decided it'd be cool to put Reverend Horton Heat on the back of the jacket. That's not the, bad because the Norton logo. Right. So I put that on the back, and uh, I kind of like it that way. It's kind of just reminds me of that. I love uh, the Horton Heat in the early '90s when I kind of had my second ho- second childhood when I got yeah. out of the military and wasn't a cop anymore. So I got a leather jacket, and then I got. Uh, another from Dixie in Columbus. <laughs> I picked up my Rob Health <coughs> Turbo Lover jacket that is a one hundred the 80s leather. 80s awesome. Oh yeah. Uh, this is not this is not a retro jacket. This is the real deal. And Dixie, they had them. I think on blowout for thirty five bucks. Oof. And it's got that kind of armor. I, w- I would have bought one too. <laughs> it was just rain- it yeah, was just I'd... basically circles and rainbows yeah. stitched into the leather with padding in between it. So there's no hard armor in this thing at all. Um, it's just creative use of stitching that makes it armor. Hey, those rainbows will protect you. But they look good. Yeah, um, they they will protect yeah, you. But it is every bit of a black '80s Rob Halford jacket, and it looks like um, I've seen you wear that. jacket. Do you remember the bad guys in RoboCop? Oh yeah. Okay. The 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 dudes that like the guy had really really short hair like you know and he the, had the guy that walked into the room and he goes bitches leave yeah that kind of yeah. guy, right that guy was yeah. good that guy and he had a black leather jacket on that didn't have a collar just had mm-hmm. a snap across it yep. and it had that sewn in armor that's the jacket yeah don't say that across exact <laughs> right yeah no it's across across not across right. across yeah right. So uh, while I accost you verbally with my it's, it's like the people that say height. It's height. Height? Not, not height. And wit? I mean wit. Wit? It's width. Okay. And height. Well, without any further ado, this whole um, train of thought lost momentarily. The, uh, the whole deal with the Weekend Warriors and putting on the leather and putting on the uniform. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about... And wearing the little white face mask thing. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so yeah, we're kind of talking about uh, our buddy Larry Fletcher from Chicago. I know you're <laughs> listening, Larry, so this is for you. He's on the back cover of Cafe Racer magazine. Yeah. Are you put, Are you going to put me in shit with Larry now? No, you're not. You're, you're fine. Be- because of what I said earlier. But it was brilliant. So I, <laughs> At breakfast I today. Pick up, right. I, <laughs> I pick up the Cafe Racer magazine, and on the back is a full-page ad for Triumph. Mm-hmm. And the full-page ad for Triumph, I look at him, I was like, there's a familiar face. It's Larry. And he's like, he's not your average model. He's not your spokesmodel for a company. But there's Larry. No motorcycle. No nothing else. He's, he's wearing a, his pudding bowl. He's got it owns a bar or something? Well, or he used what, to own the what, Ace what Cafe in uh, yeah. the Ace Cafe in Chicago. And he's a, he works as a beverage distributor, the adult beverage type. And he's just he's, an he's got a big boy job. He's an all-around good guy. Yeah. I mean, I really like Larry. and He's always fun to talk to. Um, and he's just got a good thing going on in Chicago. And so there's Larry on the back of Cafe Racer magazine. Very cool. And But what I noticed is, like, I'm looking at his jacket and, like, his flair, right? And you, you came up with this phrase. And it's perfect because that, like, 1950s, 60s rockabilly meets rocker... The original cafe racer days mean get, a lot to these people, right? Get the right buttons and the get right, the get right all the right shit, with the right trim on it. Yeah. And some of the guys would do this and hang a chain here and tack it there. Nice barking spider. Wow. Ew. <laughs> it was a mouse on a moped. 
<laughs> it was fantastic. I was pinching. Uh, yeah. So what did you call those guys? I, it, to me, they're like Civil War reenactors. <laughs> just a it's, historical representation. It is. It's, it's, it is seriously. It's, it's just like, oh, we're going to get the guys together for the weekend and we're going to put on all our gear and we're going to get, you know, it's it's like they're going to reenact a, the Battle of Gettysburg or something. Do you think You know, for fuck's around? sake, it's like, God, you know, okay. just, if you want to ride a motorcycle, get on the bitch and ride it. Uh, you know, don't have to have your bedazzled fucking 59 Club leather jacket and, uh, and go to town. A lot of time and effort goes into these things, it obviously. Does. And... I, and 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 honestly, I don't want to say to the pe- to, to those guys yeah. that listen to us. I don't want to. I'm not putting them down. No, 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 no. no. I just don't want that to be 100 percent what is their motorcycle experience. And the last guy that wore one of those and really made a statement was George Michael. <laughs> <laughs> because George Michael <clears throat> from Wham. And this might have been before he was out. Yeah. Anybody with a TV knew he was definitely, yeah, definitely really out. Uh, that had he had the Rockers Revenge on the back, mm-hmm. right? And he had the big BSA logo. Yeah. And like that was like a proper rocker jacket. Oh my and, god. And that was just I mean, you talk about gayer than Elton John's tennis helmet. That was that dude. I thought it was Elton John's fanny pack. I changed it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh the uh to see the guys that spend so much time and energy, and I think, is it just because once it's been done, and it's a tribute mm-hmm. to that, because that's what everybody's going to call it. Uh, yeah, right, totally. It's a tribute, right? It's a tribute well, to in, the way in it was. Well, in the 80s, the, the, the whole Brighton thing wasn't, wasn't that big, so. But, so that whole thing is being <clears> a tribute. <throat> is that just because tributes don't technically ever go out of style. Like you said, the Civil War reenactors. Right. It's always going to be the same. And it's it's really a lazy way to dress for the weekend because you never have to stay hip to what's current, new, or fashionable. doesn't matter how wide or narrow your lapels are if you're wearing what was historically accurate. So historical accuracy technically never goes out of style. That's True. why skinheads, to this day, still look like skinheads. Right. It's the pants that are slightly too short, the oxblood boots... The extreme, curled like, up, the extremely narrow braces, right? Yeah, and it's like the that skinhead style from 1977 doesn't go away. It it just is evergreen, and so you can dress that way. And to people who do not know the style, it looks very odd. Yeah, and and also to people who do not know the history of it. We're not talking. The well, ne- it incites. Right, yeah, it incites we're, we're not talking the neo-Nazi yeah, skinheads. We did, yeah. but it, it, yeah. it needs to be mentioned right. again. We're talking about the, the dudes who are just kind of, yeah. you know, fashion yeah. skinheads. Yeah, the, the, uh, the neo-Nazi I, fuckbags took that shit over in the eighties. Yeah, it's so. just, but it's one of those things, and I think it was really funny when I realized, and I started looking at like different pictures of guys today or different images that we see on the internet and stuff like that. We're trying to pull images here and there, and we look at the guys who live and breathe. Mods versus rockers. We look. Yeah. We look at these guys, and it is funny because like it, the hobby has gotten to the point where it's gotten down to historical reenactment. And it is. Are it's, it's completely. It, it is that, completely. Like that. that didn't really cross my mind because you see the jacket. I see the jacket you wear. I see the helmet you yeah. wear. I see that's. We're not. 
you know, most of the people we ride with are not going full on, full on. You know, there's nothing I have that's period correct. Yeah, it's, it's not period right. correct. Exactly. You, you will never see me put a 59 <laughs> patch or sticker yeah. on a goddamn thing. Yeah, I don't need because uh, right. and, and and I'll say it, to, it honestly, mainly because the whole 59 club thing was a church thing, and I'm an atheist. Yeah, I can. I can so see I will not understand. touch that. So on the uh, mods and rockers tip. So we got a phone call from Mike C, and one of the things Mike said was they're going to be doing at uh, AMA Vintage Days this year, they're going to be doing an entire tent, a big thing for mods and rockers. Ah. So it's going to be more of a an all-encompassing for one mods and rockers, <coughs> all mods and rockers. So they're asking for help from scooter people. Ah. And this is kind of a call-out. So if you were thinking about doing something with AMA Vintage Days... We know scooter people. We know some scooter people. And if you're listening to the podcast and you're a scooter person, this is a great time to get your bike down to AMA Vintage Days. First of all, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Second of all, you're going to be able to feature your bike in this pavilion with a lot of other mods and rockers type vehicles. You're going to be able to be down there with other scooters. And this is a particular call out to the scooter riders because... We all know there's a logical progression that people go from scooters into motorcycles. We're not going to change that. It very rarely goes the other direction. But what ends up happening with these things is there ends up being, as we joke, 26 mods and 400 rockers. Right? <laughs> uh, so it's true. It ends up being a little heavy-handed on one side. So what we'd like to do is if you do... Um, Too much leather, not enough lace. <laughs> <laughs> And that's why today, when you do a search, <coughs> the word Cafe Racer, invariably Blondie's album comes up. And I know it's a great source of sadness for all of you <laughs> when you type in Cafe Racer and Blondie in a scooter comes up on the album art for the word Cafe Racer. Cafe Racer, and they, chose, right. they chose a scooter for the cover art. Yeah. Yeah. A great mistake in marketing record industry history. But if you've got a scooter and you want to come out, that's a great place to, one, Find out about the Mods and Rockers events that are happening around because this is gaining momentum. Uh, it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. It's also a good thing where people talk about wanting to be ahead of the curve. People will talk about wanting to be in touch with the next big thing. We all know that right now, everybody and their brother, Cafe Racer, is building, True. selling, taking advantage of eBaying Cafe Racer. Making a living off Making of, a living off of and... Cafe Racer. <clears throat> That's fine. But I think that the next phase that sort of being ahead of the game kind of thing. I think there's going to be another revival of that classic, once again, classic scooters. I think that we're seeing more people that own kick-ass bikes. They've built their kick-ass bike already. They've built, they have their daily rider. They've got their kick-ass bike. We're starting to see people become more intrigued with those 60s, mid-60s scooters. Thank you for listening to Cleveland Moto. If you have comments or topic suggestions, you can leave them at our blog at www.clevelandmoto.blogspot.com or visit our website at www.clevelandmoto.com.